Well, thank you so much. And again, Warren did a, a beautiful job. That reminds me that next Sunday is Fine Arts Sunday. So we are in for a treat. That's an annual tradition here at First Church where we uh, praise our Lord and celebrate the many gifted people uh, in our worship and music ministry. So you'll want to be there for that. And uh, Pastor Andy and Nikki, it is good to have you back. It's good to have all of us back together. Um, between Andy being away and the plague that was going around or is going around, uh, I appreciate Nikki in particular for helping me out last week. Um, thank you. you. Believe me, you didn't want to see me or hear me last week. I was the creature from the Black Lagoon. I was not feeling well. But thank you for your prayers and uh, for your support. It's good to be back and feeling better. I'm going to throw you a curveball this morning. I'm going to go in a different direction. I feel led to go in a different direction. I've felt this uh, thing inside of me from the Holy Spirit all week. And so uh, we will return to the Keep the Faith series after Fine Arts Sunday. But today... I need to proclaim a word to you that's on my heart. My text for this morning comes from the Gospel of John. It's uh, chapter 18, verses 33 through 38. It is Jesus before Pilate. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You're a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? retorted Pilate. May the Lord add his blessing upon this reading of this holy word. Help us to hear it and understand it and believe it and then live in response to it. Would you pray with me? Lord, we do thank you for this worship service so far. The gift of people who help us worship you. And now, Lord, you have given to me the amazing privilege and humble responsibility of preaching this word to these, my friends, and your servants, Lord. A task I always need your strength in order to do. So, Lord, please speak to me and through me in such a way that all of us receive a word from you that will make a difference to our lives. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have you ever tried to guess where people are from by the way they talk? When I lived in Atlanta, I was chatting with this nurse who had a husband who played golf. And she said, he's wicked good. I said, Maine or Massachusetts? She said, Maine, how did you know? I said, here in the South, we don't say wicked unless it's Halloween. I'll never forget when my uh, stepsisters and brothers would come to visit us from Chicago. We would get the biggest kick out of their accent. And they would get the biggest kick out of ours. And in fact, they always laughed when they heard us say y'all. 
I never understood why it was such a big deal to them. Y'all, y'all. And we would ask, well, when you're referring to a group of people, what do you say? And they said, you guys. And then we'd go to a restaurant and they'd say to the waiter, what kind of pop do you have? Pop? Pop? What in the heck is pop? Oh, you mean Coke. That's always a dead giveaway that somebody like me is from Atlanta. We refer to every kind of soda as Coke, even if it's not Coke. And in Atlanta, we don't say we drink Coca-Cola in Atlanta. We drink Coca-Cola in Atlanta. Amen? Those from the South. And, you know, another dead giveaway that somebody is from Atlanta is, by the way, they say the street names. I know. If you go to uh, Atlanta... You'll see the one street, Ponce de Leon. Well, if you go there and visit, don't give the Spanish pronunciation of it. We pronounce it Ponce de Leon. That's the way you pronounce it. Yeah, sometimes it's easy to tell where people are from by the way they talk. And sometimes it's easy to tell who people are, maybe even what they do by the way they carry themselves. I'll never forget when I walked into a bank. Remember those places you walked into a bank? And I spoke to a teller, and she said, you're a preacher, ain't you? I said, I sure am. How'd you know? I don't know. Just by the way you carry yourself and the way you talk. Well, I wasn't wearing a collar, a clergy collar. I look really fat in those things. And I wasn't trying to pronounce a a blessing on the bank. I guess it was just my holy glow, right? Of course, sometimes people can fool you. The... They, they, they're not who they claim to be. It's really a farce. Even though they try their best to show you who they're trying to be, they're really not the person they're trying to be in front of you. I had a, a good friend, I still have a good friend, who was a great practical joker. And one time we were eating at Rio Bravo Mexican restaurant. Remember those places? I missed them. They had the best Mexican food. Well, I was there with a big group of friends. We were having a good time, and at the end of the evening before we left, this friend of mine went into the gift shop, bought a Rio Bravo hat, and began walking around the restaurant acting like the restaurant manager. And everybody believed him. He was confident. He'd say, "Uh, folks, uh, did you enjoy your meal tonight? Great. That's wonderful. And just walked around the entire restaurant. And before we left, he did a rather cruel thing. He went to a huge table of people and said, how was your meal tonight? And after they said, it was really good. He said, tell you what, why don't each of you have a dessert on us? Tell your waiter. And then he left. Can you imagine? What manager said that? We don't have a manager that looks like, like that. He talked like a manager. He acted like a manager. But he wasn't a manager. I remember being fooled by a by a a lady who came to see me in another church I served. She was in need of money, in need of rent money. And she didn't look destitute. She looked well put together, well groomed, and she claimed that she graduated from Florida Southern College. And she said things about Lakeland, Florida, that really only someone who's from Lakeland would know about. And she told me her whole story, and I believed her. And so our, our church, we wrote a check, to her apartment complex so we could pay her rent. And off she went. And later we would find out that she was in cahoots with the apartment manager. And they were taking money from all these churches in the area. 
And folks, I don't get fooled that easily. But sometimes people fool you. Yeah, sometimes it's easy to tell who people are and what they do, and sometimes it's not. And I've often wondered, what convinces people that we're Christians? That we're true blue followers of Jesus Christ? What is it about us where someone says, yeah, yeah, they're Christian, they follow Jesus. Is it our kindness? Is it our ability to follow the rules? Is it the way we talk? Or the way we don't talk? Is it our, our good church attendance? Is it the way we line up our points of doctrine? Or is it the fact that our name is on a church roll? You know, when I was a teenager, I went to hear a fiery preacher one time who got up and he got all lathered up and he asked this question. If you were put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? How many have ever heard that one before? You know, it's not a bad question, you know. The witness says, yeah, 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 I I think they're Christians. You know, I walked by my neighbor's house one day and saw his car, and there was a Bible in the backseat of his car. You know, and every Sunday, just about that family, I see them get in their Sunday best, and and they go to church. Yeah, 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 the witness says, "I'll, I'll say they're Christians. Another witness says, I'm not so sure. You know, they sometimes go to the church I go to, and one time I saw them fighting in the parking lot before worship, and the the dad got all mad and said, I don't want to go hear that preacher. Let's go to lunch early. I don't know. I'm really not sure. The lawyer says, well, what about this person? You think they're a Christian? Well, the witness says, well, I've never heard him say a cuss word. And actually heard he let someone in front of him in traffic and rush hour, if you can believe that. And I also heard him pray on the golf course one time. At least I think that's what he was doing. He said Jesus and everything. Yeah, yeah. I say he's a Christian. Is that enough evidence, you think? Would that convince people? Would that convince you? I remember giving a a ride to a friend of mine when I was in high school to school. He was a great kid, great guy, but he had the most strict parents. I mean, every time the doors of the church were open, he was there, and his parents did not allow him to do anything fun, nothing fun. Couldn't go to prom, couldn't listen to secular music. If anything was joyous, his parents thought, it must be sinful. And so we were driving to school one day. He was in the passenger seat. And he looked down on the floor and he saw a CD that I had. One of my all-time favorite CDs. It was Deaf Leopard Hysteria. Good stuff. Well, you would have thought it was a book on witchcraft. He bent down and picked it up and said, Do your parents know you have this? I said, sure. My mom actually let me skip school one time to go to their concert. And then he said, do you not believe in God or something? I remember getting a call when I was serving Springhead United Methodist in Plant City, a very first church. I was 19 years old, didn't have a clue at a pastor at church. A wonderful church, they helped me a lot. I know, it was interesting. And I, my, my chair of staff parish called me one day out of the blue and said, Pastor, we got to talk. 
People are talking about you and it's not good. I said, what? He said, I'll come over and share with you. I said, come over to the office. So he came over to the office and said, pastor, this is just awful. We may have to go to the bishop about this. I said, what? What is the problem? People are just saying, oh, well, what is it? He said, well, there's a rumor going around that the other night you were at a bar. Is that true? I said, yeah, I'm afraid it is. The bar is called Applebee's. And it was a Friday night and it was really crowded and we had to wait an hour for our seat. And the only place that was open was a booth in the bar. Oh, it was a real scandal for a long time. But I got away with it. I really did, church. Yeah, some people think the, the strongest evidence that you're a Christian is by not misbehaving. Following the rules. Not drinking. Not smoking. Not cussing. Good church attendance. All those things, being a good boy or girl. But the good Protestants among us, we say no to that, don't we? No, we say you're a Christian. It's all about faith in Jesus Christ. That they repent of their sin and give their lives to Jesus Christ. The Bible says we are saved by faith through the grace of Almighty God. Through Martin Luther, it is grace and faith in Christ alone. That's what makes somebody a Christian. So they asked the witness. The defendant says, yeah, I'm saved. I went to a Billy Graham crusade. I went down, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And then I went back to my church later and I was baptized. And I can even show you the place in my Bible where my pastor signed the date of my baptism. And the lawyer said, can anybody corroborate this? I said, yeah, yeah, I was there. I was there at his baptism. He looked like a drowned rat coming out of the water. But I tell you this, I saw him sharing the five spiritual laws to a stranger on the street. And I actually heard him say to that stranger, if you died tonight, do you know where you would spend eternity? Yes, I would say they're a Christian. You think that's the strongest evidence? You think that really convinces people? Is that really the right evidence? And some of you may say today, no, Charlie. Remember, Jesus said, the world will know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. It's whether or not we're, we're walking our talk. James said, faith without works is dead. Are people practicing what they preach? Are they bearing the fruit of the love of Christ? Do they live that out? That's the true evidence of being a Christian. Someone says, what do you think about this person? Are they a Christian? Yeah, 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 yeah. She's a sweet lady. She, she tutors underprivileged kids. She goes to the hospital with the flowers from the church and gives those flowers to people who are, are really sick. She helps in the soup kitchen. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's a Christian. Well, it's hard to argue with that, I guess, isn't it? Some people would say the strongest evidence is our kindness to others. But I wonder where Jesus lands on all of this, right? I guess he's the one who really counts, right? 
What does Jesus think of this? How does Jesus know we're serious about following him? You know, folks, if you read the Gospels, you'll see that Jesus, he was highly suspicious of crowds. Of all these people who claimed they wanted to follow him. But they were really just fans. And he had hard things to say to those folks. Do you remember? And Luke, he said, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. Then he said this, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Then later said, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And then he said this, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. Now, wait, 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 Charlie. Hold on a second. I mean, who can do that? Only special people can do that. I mean, haven't we figured this faith thing out, Charlie? You know, you believe in Jesus, you try to be kind, you go to church when you can, you try to follow the rules. Isn't that what faith is all about? Well, apparently, for Jesus, there's something else. In our text for today, Jesus sees before Pilate, the religious community wants him dead. And they want Pilate to do the dirty work for him. And Jesus knows that whatever he says to Pilate could get him killed. And so Pilate says to Jesus, what kind of a king are you anyway? And then Jesus says something to Pilate later which defines his ministry. He says, you you can call me a king. You call me a king. Call me whatever you want. But here is why I came. To testify to the truth of Almighty God. You can take me away. You can torture me. You can execute me. But my job at all costs is to testify to the truth of Almighty God. Sick him, Jesus. That's the Jesus we like, don't we? Standing up to the powerful. Standing up to those people. Resisting the devil. Not pulling any punches. That's the Jesus we love. But then Jesus, he says something else. Did you catch it? He said, and my followers, those who belong to the truth, those who are on the side of me and the truth, listen to my voice and do what I do at all costs. Could it be? Could it be? The defining evidence of being a Jesus follower as well, being like Jesus, could it be? Being a Jesus follower means listening to the voice of Jesus and being obedient even if it costs us. Maybe some of you are saying, yeah, yeah, I get it, Charlie, I get it, we get it, we've heard the stories. Someone puts a gun to a guy's head and says, if you don't renounce your faith, we'll shoot you. And Rosa Parks, what an amazing lady, saying, seated in the white section of the bus, refused to get up. 
We admire her for that. And those people, those whistleblowers who come out from the shadows of a corporation and blows the whistle on all those greedy people, we love those people. Those people are our heroes. Even if it costs them, they do it. But Charlie, we live very ordinary lives. Most of us don't face moments of truth. I'm not so sure. I'm really not so sure. You had a party with all your friends, having a good time. Everybody's telling jokes. And then they start to tell racist jokes. What do you do? You just laugh, join in to be part of the group, or do you walk away? There you are, you're in school, you're, you're at lunch in the cafeteria and all the cool kids have invited you to sit at their table and you walk in and you're in the middle of the cafeteria with your tray of food and there you see that kid who's bullied every single day, who sits by himself every day. And your friends, they're calling you over to sit with them. What do you do? Do you listen to the voice of Jesus and sit with that kid and risk being ridiculed yourself? Your strange brother calls you. You're bitter about him. You said you would never, ever forgive him for what he did. And he calls you. You send it to voicemail. You listen to the voicemail later. He wants to reconcile for goodness sake. What do you do? What do you do? You know, Fred Craddock was a, an amazing preacher. I've referenced him before. One of the greatest homileticians and teachers of preaching in the last 200 years, I would say. Then, you know, he taught at Emory University at Candler. And one time during a, a fall break, he decided to go back to his hometown of Arkansas. No special place on the map. Just a small town. He wanted to go there to kind of relive his days as a child during simpler times, remembering simpler days. And he decided that first day that we would go to that diner that he often ate at and have breakfast. And went inside that diner, and you know that place had not changed at all, he said. It was the same way it had been a hundred years ago, he said. Even the store owner was the same. And he sat down, ordered fried eggs, and then the owner of that restaurant came up to him and said, Wait, 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 I know you. You grew up here, didn't you? You you went off to be a preacher. You know, I need to talk to you. And Craddock was like, oh no, I just want to eat my breakfast in peace. Well, the man pulled up a chair. I said, I have a problem, and and, and I don't know what to do about it. Craddock said, what's your problem? He said, I I don't know what to do about this curtain. He said, there was a curtain in the restaurant that was a dividing curtain. Been there forever. The white customers would come through the front door and eat on one side of the restaurant. The black customers would come in the back door and eat on the other side of the curtain. Always been that way. Finally, Craddock's breakfast came. 
and trying to speed things up so his eggs wouldn't get cold. Craddock said, well, what's the problem? Craddock knew what the problem was. He said, I don't know. I don't know what to do with that curtain. I mean, if I, if I put it down, I'll lose my business. But if I leave it up, I'll lose my soul. When it counts, do we listen to the voice of Jesus, to his truth, and follow him, even if it costs us? Oh, it'll cost you. Make no mistake about it. Sooner or later in life, when you follow Jesus Christ and do what he calls you to do, it'll cost you. But at the end of the day, as you're getting into bed and you're thinking about the consequences of what you did, if you listen closely, you just may hear the voice of Jesus say to you, I saw what you did today. I heard what you said today. I've been telling the angels all about it. I couldn't be prouder of you. Let those who have ears to hear, hear. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, give us the courage and the grace to follow you, to listen to your voice and be the bearers of your truth in a world that seems so chaotic and unstable. Teach us to shine your light of truth to a world to show it that there is a better way. To do that, Lord, even if it's a sacrifice and costs us, Lord, help us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 I needed that. Thank you for worshiping with us this morning. We hope it's been a time of inspiration, of challenge, of motivation, but also one of, of comfort. Receive this benediction. And now may that mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you also. May the love of God, our Heavenly Father, abide with you this day and throughout this week. May the guidance and power of the Holy Spirit fall fresh upon you. And the faith and fellowship of all true disciples of Jesus Christ go with you and sustain you both now and forevermore. Amen.